From the boardroom to the locker room, sport captures the imagination like little else. In this podcast, we talk to the men and women who make the big decisions and those who make the big plays to find out where sport is and, importantly, where it's going. But we do so through the only eyes that matter, those of the fan. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Are You Not Entertained? Joining me this week for our regular Goal Own Goal show is the man himself, Roger Mitchell. Hi, mate. Hi, Grant. How are you? I am... Well, I'm I'm quarantining, Rog. Oh, goodness. Quarantining, yes, 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 yes. Oh, yes, that's so because you've come back into Cayman and... Yeah. Right, so I have, they've got I have zero my, infections, yeah. I have my little tracker bracelet on my wrist, so I can't... It takes Go you anywhere, back to can, an, I, an earlier life in the East End. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> it, it was ankle bracelets back then, right? Yeah, you were in Violet's funeral, weren't yeah. you? You were right there. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I grew up with the Cray <laughs> twins, obviously. Um, yeah, so I'm back here. And, and, and I mean, look, there's, 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 there's really only one thing on my mind this, this week that I want to talk about. And it made the first four days of quarantine an absolute delight. And that is, of course, the PGA Championship, which finished last night. Now... This, uh, I, I was supposed to actually be there in person. Um, As I you are, a, of course. A, a, I have yeah. a long association with, with Kiowa Island. Uh, it is my favorite place in the entire world. And uh, I was scheduled to be there for the, for the tournament and for various reasons couldn't be, unfortunately. Uh, and on the one hand, I was just absolutely brokenhearted watching the whole thing unfold that I wasn't there in person. But... Um, yeah, you know, I have to say, I, everything about this this last four days of golf was just a huge goal. There wasn't a single own goal yeah. out there. It was. Well, it was, take us through it. You're, you're the man. Well, with look, the it's, eyes it's, to... first of all, it's an incredible golf course, and I thought the star of the entire week outside the eventual winner was the golf course itself. It's it's a magnificent golf course. I've walked every inch of it. Believe me, I've hit balls where <laughs> they didn't even have cameras this week. Um, it's it's a fabulous golf course. Uh, it was in great condition. It looked spectacular, and uh, you know it's it's just a wonderful part of the world. But beyond that, the, the golf was compelling. We had tough conditions. We had people making birdies. We had people making triple bogeys. It was wonderful to see a crowd back again at a sporting event. You know, I, I, there wasn't a mask to be seen, which I found interesting that nobody was wearing them. I mean, nobody. And to have that final round play out the way it did with, I think, five two-shot swings was, for the armchair fan, absolutely riveting. So, you know, and, and look, let's talk about Phil Mickelson for a second here because, you know, Phil Mickelson is a guy, I've never been a huge fan of his. You know, I, I always felt for the longest time there was something inauthentic about him. He seemed a little too good to be true for me. But over the years, I've 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 spoken to a lot of people, many of whom I know who have, actually spend time with him, play golf with him, and they say, no, he is he is a good guy. He is a he's a fun guy to play golf with. He's a you know, he's a bull buster. He's uh he's exactly as you see him. And so, you know, I've come to accept that. I, I don't have any personal experience, but I've come to accept that a lot of the stuff you see is authentic. I thought he played magnificently. He managed the emotions magnificently. He hit incredible shots when he needed to. It was just it was just fantastic to watch. I was gripped by every minute of it. And uh, as were all 
the mates on my WhatsApp chats and stuff who were all living and dying every shot. It was it was such compelling theatre uh, on a beautiful stage with an incredible cast of supporting actors and so many stories. I, I just I just loved every second of it, Roger. Yes, I agree with that. Let, let me just, for the sake of the conversation, come back to you know, a couple of things there. The crowds. Okay, it's great to have the crowds, but these people are bizarre, Grant. You know, like, you know, let's have the fans back. Let's have the crowds back. Guys picking up a ball, you know, like, you know, there, yeah, there's, I, there's a lot of weirdos. I still don't quite know what happened there. I don't know if I'd gone to get a drink or the dog out. I'm not sure quite what happened, but, but I, I saw someone had picked the ball up and then put it down an inch away. So, I, I mean, maybe you can illuminate what happened there for me. Well, it wasn't clear, uh, but he got oh, okay. there. And, okay. and I saw on Twitter, you know, because the second screen, you know, that's how you follow sport these days. And uh, people were saying that Phil had cheated. In fact, Dave Portnoy said that. He posted that. And um, there was a comment from the crowd that said, uh, no, 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 Phil's ball uh, ended up on that tee by its own. So I, I think somebody picked it up and put it back down on a tee. <laughs> No, 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 no. That, that was that wasn't the case. So, some someone was joking and saying, "Oh no, no, no! It, it came to rest on a tee where, when it where it actually landed." They were saying where it landed was on a tee, so i.e., he could put it back on a tee. But look, hang on. There was another great example. Mickelson was in a bunker with Oosthuizen, and Oosthuizen had to play first. So where he was going to stand was on Mickelson's ball, and because it's the, the designated as a sandy area, Mickelson could mark it, move the ball and put it back, right, as if he was on the putting yeah. green. So he did that, and Mickelson called a rules official over and said, look, I've got a better lie now, because where his footprint was has dug into the sand, and it means I can get my club under the ball. So I, I don't know if you saw that. it, but it was he was carefully raking, that, yeah. he was raking the sand to make it his lie worse, how it was. Yeah. You know, there's, there's something about golf, and, you, and, and there were many occasions through this whole thing. You could see Mickelson is someone that takes the, the rules very seriously, and, and there was no way yeah, he no, was going to try and But the point I was cheat, making you know. about the crowds, you know, like, I don't know, is, is this your first reaction if somebody's launching a ball 350 yards, it's coming pretty close to the top of your head, and you start jumping up and down shouting, <laughs> yay! <laughs> I mean, what is wrong with these people? Well, Rog, look, I think take uh, a measure of sunlight, just add alcohol. Right. I mean, it's, it, it, it was it was mid 80s. It was a gloriously sunny day. People were out for the first time at a massive end and giddy with the whole thing. But look, there. I mean, look, there is a, there is a, a cohort at these golf tournaments who are absolute no, morons. Know, Let's face it. Right. You can't just get away from it. Some of the things that they shout, it's just beyond yeah. me how a, any human being would want to be around other human beings and make a fool of themselves by shouting mashed potato when someone hits the ball, for example. Yeah. But look, but I mean, this course, I, but listen, this course, you know, uh, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful course. It looks just impossible. I think anybody that's not a single handicap golfer has no chance breaking 100, no chance, maybe 120, you know, and, and um, I, I can, I get all that. But, you know, this idea that there aren't any bunkers, they're just wasteland, <laughs> you know, like it's, it's been cut out of what is a pretty, like, rugged island and... Um, I thought it was. I thought it was pretty intimidating. I must admit. Uh, look, uh, Roger, I am willing to go on record and, and admit you now. Obviously, I played completely different tees, and I have to say, some of the tees I saw they were playing from gave you a nosebleed, knowing where they were. I mean, it, it, some of them are, are are just insanely far back and changed the character of the course dramatically. But 
I will tell you now, Roger, I've shot 79 on that course. And I have also shot about 179. On those greens. Yeah, well, on those greens. That, yeah. And yeah, I've I also mean, shot 179 on that course. It, it, it is wind dependent. I always try and play it first thing in the morning when the wind is at its <laughs> at mildest. Um, but if you, if, you, if you do get a day where there isn't much wind, you, you can score around there for sure. But the wind blows and it's, it, you know, but you know, no, but those fun. greens fun, that you know they're raised, and if you've you've not got the ability to to put some spin on the ball and hold it on the on the top of the green, you're not going to land on many greens. A normal golfer, not unless you're coming in with a nine or an, a wedge or something, you're not going to you're not going to hold the green, Grant. No, look, look their, their tees. There were half a dozen tees in there because they could have stretched that to eight thousand yards, right? That's a, a tip, that's an eight thousand yard golf course, and they've put new tees in since I first started playing it twenty five years ago. But um, the some of those that like fourteen, right? The fourteenth hole is the par three when you make the turn and you start yeah. playing down. As it was yesterday, you start playing downwind. Most of the days it was into the wind. When we play that off our tees, it's somewhere between one hundred and fifty-eight and one hundred and seventy-five yards. They played it at two thirty-one, right? And that nice. you're right, downwind, and the green is is a complete plateau. It's it's eight feet above all the way around if you don't land it on the green you're eight feet down you're in a bunker on the left you're in a swale on the right and the back and the front it's murder but it just shows you the skill these guys have to be able to hit these ball hit the ball no, you know, 231 yards it's it's i i just i just i thoroughly enjoy i'm boring it i mean even boring myself now Rog, but i loved every single no no but i think it's important because listen uh golf has had a good um uh lockdown and 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 you know the more we talk about sport having to have certain ingredients, which is total volatility, call that your two two short swings every every second hole, um, uncertainty of result, uh, and 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 the big names and and be nice and punchy. That looked to me like as good as it gets in terms of yeah. sport yesterday. You yeah, know, I I, I, I don't normally I, I don't normally stay to the end when it's late like that. Um, but I did I did yesterday, and um, you know one thing I want I want to say as well. You know another great thing about sport is a comeback story. We we were on with Giles I think uh, talking about the Super League at one point, and you said I think I'm quoting you here. Uh, yeah yeah I can see how the Super League may be attractive to guys like Mickelson that are just about to go on the seniors tour, and yeah I can get it for him. Yeah yeah. <laughs> He's just won the PGA. Absolutely, no, look, absolutely, absolutely right. But but I still stand by my thought. Before that, I'm no, sure, right, of course, you're the just, money was more appealing to the 50 year olds than it is the 20 year olds. But of look, of course, of course. But look, uh, you know, it, it's it, it's something peculiarly beautiful about golf is that a 50 year old like Mickelson can tear up with the 20 somethings, can hit it. You know, he outdrove Kepka on that 16th tee, yeah. hit the longest drive of the week, 366 yards. You know, just tremendous. And I think That's I think you theme. are going to see, I think you'll see that record of Mickelson's being 50 years old creeping higher and higher over the years because the athleticism and the and the fitness regimes and the equipment and stuff are going to, are going to allow people to stay competitive for much, much longer. I think I think that will be an inspirational victory for for many people. You know, Stuart Sink is, is at 40. I, yeah. think Stuart, I think Sink's 50. He's won twice on the PGA Tour this year. You know, yeah. a complete renaissance of, of, of a golfer who, yeah. you know, last won back when he, when he, when everyone in the world hated him when he beat Tom hated Watson. Them. 
Yeah. <laughs> Tom yeah. Austin to win the British Open, yeah. right? So, uh, look, it's, yeah. it was just, it was such a, a, well, an let me ask you. Weekend. Let me ask you about Phil, because um, I, I'm fascinated, fascinated by all of these things about sport, sportsmen and women and, and what I call um, how they how they compete. The, the difference in the heads that, that goes, takes you from being a world-class player to a total champion. This is what I noticed about Phil this week. And and I think this was deliberate. You know, I think in recent years, he'd get into all those kind of like jokey things, you know, with the, the lads where he was dancing. And, you know, there was a couple of anecdotes that came out. And he was all almost becoming a little bit of a a caricature of 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 the game i look at him this week he's like he's dressed like fucking terminator 2 with the shades you know no smiles no smiles you know like he's doing no no media snapping at people and i'm telling you man that is the eye of the tiger that's what i saw and then you know he loses on the first hole yesterday He's lead and he goes one behind. Most people, I think the bookmakers would have been saying there's no chance he wins from here. Just got his, his stuff back together. And and I'm going to link this. You won't like this. <laughs> Rory, Rory. Again, he, he, he doesn't strike me. That's why I say he's not going to win another major. He doesn't strike me as the eye of the tiger because it bounces with that little stride that's got a little bounce in it. And then, and then the, you no, look at the, the killers. I'll argue that with you all day long. You know, I, I watched Rory play on Saturday, Rog. And pressure hit, was off. Pressure no, was off. He hit the ball beautifully on Saturday. He hit the ball beautifully. No, he just didn't hold a putt. And, and that is one thing about golf. You need the putts to fall. And and honest to God, you could see he got frustrated by the end of the round. He, I think he was he was three under at one point, and he should have been seven under. He, he was hitting the ball. He was hitting every fairway. He was striping his irons. He Would just have, couldn't have. get the putts to fall. And you could see, ultimately, it wore him down. And he, and he I think he bogeyed the last three holes because he just got the shits with it. Um, and then Sunday, I agree. He he was he was out of it, and he 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 lost interest. But no, I, the, the the idea that Rory won't win another major is preposterous to me. I've got to say, when you it's watch not him, preposterous. No, it, it's preposterous. When you watch him play on Saturday, you 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 see the level of his talent. It, it, it it's prodigious. He he will win. He he will win several more majors. I, I've got no doubt about that whatsoever. Right, well, I don't know how long we'll do this podcast for going forward, Grant, but we will remember this. Oh, we will. I do not believe... He doesn't have that kind of like swagger, you know, like um, Brooks or even uh, uh, Dustin Johnson uh, and certainly yesterday Mickelson. You know, like that. It's a little bit like Richard Pryor and Stir Crazy when they go in the prison. You know, like... Yeah, yeah, Stir Crazy, yeah. (laughs) You know, like, uh, you've got to to be exuding the fact that you're badass. And, 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 you know, I loved that with Phil yesterday. He wasn't messing with anybody. That's what I, I, I thought it was compelling. See, I, I, I didn't take this, I, I didn't take it as him trying to be a badass. I, I took it as him being just totally focused. And he, he talked a bit during the week about how he was trying to maintain his focus and that's what he'd been struggling to do. He, he was playing practice rounds, 36, 45 holes, so that he had to, keep mentally sharp the whole way through it because that's where he was having problems and, and you can see whatever you want to call it his breathing just the his, eye he the was tiger. very deliberate in everything he did he walked slowly he took his time over everything i yeah. I, I thought yeah. it, it was great but i i i think you're, you're crazy to think that about rory but i have to say the one thing that worries me is you have an alarmingly strong track record of making these ridiculous <laughs> proclamations that ultimately come true so I, I i'm going to continue to call you ridiculous but with one eye firmly over my shoulder 
Great, great goal. Great goal. The only goal, really. Although I think I've got one that is going to run it close um, in terms of achievement, but not in terms of profile. And I'm going to tell you, Grant, that um, Britain has, for the first time, become one of the undisputed champions in uh, boxing. Just Taylor, of, yeah. Of, yeah. What a story that is. And it's so under the radar that I started digging around a little bit as to why this is under the radar. This is a guy who, I think he said about 17 or 18 fights, ducked nobody. You know, if you look at the last five opponents that he's beaten, what their record was before fighting him, the, the total was like 112 uh, wins against one defeat. So he is fighting people that are real contenders and he's destroying them. And he just, he's not particularly, I think a lot of people listening to this podcast won't know who Josh Taylor is. No, you're right. He He's uh, he's from Edinburgh. He's a hippie, you know, and that gives us a chance to shout out again, uh, Sunshine on Leith. Yes. Uh, that was the, <laughs> perhaps the greatest crowd uh, moment of all time, that one there. But yes, he's a hippie. And um, so I started, I started asking people, look, this guy is doing things that, Arguably only Ken Buchanan has done, certainly in, in Scottish bo boxing, certainly maybe in British boxing as well. Why does he not have any profile? And he is a great fighter. It's not that he's ugly or anything. He's a great, aggressive, powerful fighter. And uh, why why was nobody covering that uh, the, over the weekend? Okay, it's four o'clock in the morning, but then you dig a little bit, you speak to some people and you, you, you get into a world of, of boxing it is a bizarre world, Grant, the, the world of boxing, you know. He, he used to be managed by um, McGuigan Camp, you know, and uh, the, the feeling is that they didn't do a great job for him. Uh, you can tell that I, I'm not on solid ground here. This is all hearsay, but I'm just repeating. I think it's important. And he's now moved to um, the, um, the, the, the other uh, management company. I won't name the name of, of this because I don't want my legs broken. <laughs> if that makes sense. Um, there was, I think, last month, uh, a Panorama yes. uh, program. You saw it, did you? I did. Well, you, did. you know where I'm going with this. I know where you're going with it. Yep. So, so um, that that is that is an um, that is an incredible story. Uh, I, I'd urge anybody that, that's interested to, to, to look into that, uh, find out who his management team is, find out who's allegedly have founded that management company, uh, and how that is linked to Irish gangland wars and everything like that. So some people say that it wasn't covered this fight because. There was fallout after Panorama. Um, it's all a little bit edgy. Don't want to get too close to this. And he's suffered because of that. And then you find out that, no, Tyson Fury is managed by the same management company. Yep. You know, a lot of big, big boxers and, and mixed martial arts boxers are, are managed by the same company. And uh, you you think, well, wh why? And then somebody, another person came on. These are all people in boxing. And, and they said to me, you know, he looks as if he's always going to be doing something you don't want to happen. He looks a little bit edgy. You know, somebody said, um, if you say Joshua, uh, Anthony Joshua, he's a bad guy that comes across as a good guy. Mm -hmm. and, and and Josh is the opposite. George is, Josh is a nice lad from Edinburgh that comes across as, as the, if you get him in the wrong moment, he's going to stick the head in you. And 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 I think that turns some people off. But but the but the reality is, Grant, 
all of this is, is, is by the by, this is Ken Buchanan in 2021, and he is beating world-class fighters in America on their home ground, and he's the undisputed four-bet holder world champion. A wonderful, wonderful achievement. So I couldn't let this week pass without saying, well done, Josh. Yeah, no, I, 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 I saw. I didn't see the fight, but I, I saw the result, and and fair play to him. That, that is great. And for anyone out there listening who has access to the BBC iPlayer, that show it was a panorama show. It was called Boxing and the Mob. You can find it on the on the BBC iPlayer, and it's a riveting view. I will, I'll say that for it. <laughs> Don't um, say any more, Grant. Yeah, I right. Wanna, I want to have you around. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm already in quarantine, Roger. I have to go into hiding next. Um, <laughs> they can get you anywhere, anywhere. Yeah. So, so what else? I, I tell you what else I, I, I saw yesterday, which I've I, got a few things. I've I know, I, things. I know you do. So have I, but I, I'm wholly positive this week, Roger. I'm struggling for an own goal, but I, I'll tell you what I saw yesterday, which I thought was just wonderful, and that was um, Pep Guardiola being asked about Sergio Aguero after the the championship celebrations at uh, I almost called it Main Road there at the at the Etihad yeah, Stadium. Main Road, that's that's proper stuff. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, you know, look, he, he he was asked about Aguero and. You just couldn't hold it together. You know, the emotion, the tears all came out. And, it, it, you know, it's beautiful to see. Aguero has been an incredible servant for Manchester City. Um, you know, that that famous 94th minute winner against QPR, one yeah. of their first title. Yeah. Yeah. And again, going back to our conversation last time, it's the commentary. You remember Martin Tyler's, you know, Aguero, yeah. that's what you remember from yeah. that. But um, it, it, was, it, was, it was wonderful to see that kind of emotion, but particularly given the circumstances, because you know, oftentimes when these players who've been great servants for a club, they just kind of fade into obscurity and they you know, they end up on the bench and then they just kind of go and that's it. And, and yes, social media gives you a chance for them to say goodbye to the fans or what have you. But I thought to come on for 25 minutes, uh, you know, really for a lap of honour in front of the fans to score two goals... Uh, it, it was it was the perfect ending to the career of of a, not only a tremendous footballer but someone who just seems like a tremendous human being. Yeah, uh, I, I did see that. I thought you would bring it up because that's classic you. You're now going to tell me that you saw Pep Guardiola <laughs> rubbing onions in his eyes off camera, aren't you? Or something well, like that. Uh, all, all I would say <laughs> is I would put it in context. He is massively underutilized Aguero this year. I believe that if it wasn't him that's to blame for him on his way out, it's um, his Spanish compatriots in the C-suite. So as I was saying to somebody earlier, I think Pep just hides his nastier streak better than anybody else. I think they, they I could almost like see them sitting there last August saying, right, um, okay, it'll be May time and we'll have to let him go. So, you know, you'll crack, you'll tear up, won't you, Pep? You, you'll do that. That'll look good. <laughs> you are such a cynical <laughs> bastard. You really are. You really are. Honestly, you, you, you tell me I'm a romantic. I would much rather, much rather right, be romantic right. than being a cynical old bastard like you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not cynical because I'm going to join that up with um, uh, Pep singing uh, Don't Look Back in Anger. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, I did. Video. That was fabulous. <laughs> No, I, I love Pep. I, 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 there was, another, there was a, a photo I saw today where uh, Terry Venables, uh, El Tel, uh, Barcelona, was hoisted on somebody's shoulders after having won the championship there. I think it must have been this time uh, of year. And you see a little boy kind of like, you know, looking up at El Tel 
and it was Guardiola. Oh, he was really? about 12. I saw that yeah, picture. I didn't realise that was Pep. Yeah, yeah, that's him. Fantastic. So it's, it, it, it is the tapestry, isn't it, that, you know, um, you're all just really carrying the baton for the next the next chapter of this wonderful game of ours. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Fantastic. Well, what else you so, got for me? Um, I've, I've, well, I've got... Um, well, here, here's stuff I've not got, right? Because uh, uh, I never know what you're going to say, so I have to like be prepared. Uh, what I've not got is Warner's discovery deal and the whole thing about does, does, does Netflix now have to be obliged to get into sport? seen a lot of people talk about that. I don't think there's any need to do anything about that. I'm not going to talk about the New York Times article that, about the fact that Infantino was behind the Super League. Not going to talk about that because we talked about that we in previous weeks. We did. <laughs> Um, I'm not going to ch- talk about uh, Jake Paul uh, coming up with uh, Floyd, uh, and now it's going to be shown on uh, Showtime instead of Triller. That's a really interesting story. That is an interesting the numbers story. He, he, he got huge numbers the last time. Uh, I'm not going to talk about that. And unless you force me to, I'm not going to talk about perhaps the, the goal, the own goal to beat all own goals, which was the Glasgow Rangers title celebrations that descended into a scene from you know World what? No, War you know Z. What? Listen, I, <laughs> I, I am going to get you to talk about that simply because I, I, I figured that that was a nailed on own goal for you this week. So I'm, no, I'm, no, no, it's, I'm not like that. I don't like to like dance. No, look, look, misfortune. It, it, Certainly yeah. not about Glasgow. And no, but, but look, but hang on, hang on, hang on. I, I'm not a Celtic fan, and I thought it was absolutely just disgraceful what was happening there this is not a celtic rangers thing this is not a catholic protestant thing this is a i don't think it is this is a human being animal thing roach frankly yeah listen i i i don't i don't know what to say uh, i i've never seen in my experience people say that happens all the time i've never seen it a celebratory crowd of winning a major tournament a major cup a major prize turning on each other beyond uh, isolated incidents and basically having very graphic extreme violence uh, in the middle of the centre of Glasgow, George Square. I've never seen that. And of course, everybody wants to intellectualise what that means and um, why the, they've got the rage inside them because their whole essence is about being anti-something and we know what they're anti. I, I just, I just want to say this. Um, I'm a great believer now that in life, you have to be for something as a brand. Being anti-something is the road to damnation. Uh, if you're anti-something, that kids these days, they, they don't understand that. You've got to be for something. And, and, and I believe Rangers, who could be a, a very, very important part of the Scottish institution um, going forward, they need to work themselves out because they cannot define themselves just by not liking us. You know, we 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 don't do that. You know, we we define ourselves by something different. But 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 anyway, that takes you into a whole lot of the history of not just Scotland but Northern Ireland and then Southern Ireland. And I, I think people probably don't have time for that in our sports podcast, mate. Yeah, you're, you're probably you're probably right. That's a whole different podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we'll, uh, we'll, we'll no, but I would, I, I would like to say, and, and and there's another thing I wanted to mention. I would like to say that I think Stephen Gerrard has done an amazing job there. People my side of the the, the the street in Glasgow say that through gritted teeth or not at all. But he took over a club that were financially miles behind Celtic in terms of playing squad, miles behind Celtic, and uh, he won the league this year 
by 25, 27 points. And, yeah, and, okay, went unbeaten. and went unbeaten, Rich. It hasn't been done for 122 years. Yeah, you know, yeah. And, and, and you know, I, I think people shouldn't let that go unnoticed. But I want to, to link that a little bit with um, something I reflect a lot about these days. And, you know, people probably think about me as a oh, Zone 7 data guy, pump jack, everything like that. But you know what, Grant? The more and more that I see the devastating power of data, of, of what machine learning is going to do and how it's going to change everything in our worlds, the more and more I'm optimistic about the human because it's the human that can turn around an oil tanker almost overnight. And, you know, in football terms, let's let's not let this week pass without talking about some of the people that I think deserve a shout-out. Uh, this one you won't know, Callum Davidson. Uh, the manager of St. Johnston, very, very small team from Perth. Yeah, I saw, I saw the story. Won both cups. I mean, that, that is astonishing. And this is a very young manager. And man, oh man, you know, I would keep my eye out for that guy because I know Scottish football and that is not possible to do. You know, so, so well done him. Brendan Rogers at Leicester. You know, Brendan took a really, a real slap in the face unjustly uh, around the time of Liverpool and some, some of the things that were thrust on him and the the, the the transfer market. And, you know, like football does, it kicks you down. And, you know, what did he do? Got me up to Scot uh, Scotland and Celtic and gave us a real, a real lift and overnight. And I know from personal experience how that charisma really, really worked. And he's done it with Leicester. You know, okay, they didn't go over the line in the top four yesterday, but it doesn't matter. You know, this is a club that has got total harmony between the ownership, uh, the coaching staff, the fans, and the players, and and that's that's Brendan. You know, I'm I'm now going to move on to Diego Simeone. You know, El mm -hmm. Cholo. Do we want to remember what this guy has done? What Atletico Madrid was before he got there, and like, well, don't forget him getting losing, David Beckham sent off in the World Cup. Oh, just, let's not let's not get too forget that. Forget, forget, <laughs> forget that. Forget that. Forget that. I'm talking about undoubtedly now. I think, and he doesn't get mentioned in the same breath as a Klopp or or a Guardiola or even a Mourinho. But I think pound for pound, his achievements beat them all. I think he, the way that he's lost players and kept that team going is unbelievable, unbelievable. And to see him win it yesterday. From behind, from behind, mm -hmm. just astonishing. Last one I'd mention, most people won't know here, uh, Luis Campos, uh, the director of football who took Lille to the championship yesterday and, and has done that before with Monaco, both times beating the wealth of uh, PSG. What, what, what I'm saying here is the human makes a difference. The leader of a dressing room makes the difference. I think that's the hardest job in the world to take 20 guys, 25 guys of testosterone and self-confidence and an attitude in these days also with an agent behind them that's whispering poison in their ear and to control a dressing room like that is the hardest job in the world. And all these people I mention it do it consistently and they don't get enough credit. Yes, you need data. Yes, you need wonderful recruiting uh, tools. You need to give yourself all the advantages in the world. But at the end of the day, it's one guy that walks into a dressing room and everybody stops and puts their phone down and, and, and watches them. And I want to celebrate that today 
you see when it doesn't work, even though you're a big name like a Pirlo, they just got in, but it's been an absolute disaster. You know, uh, so what I want to say is in this game of sport, we still rely totally on the EQ and the charisma of men and women. And that's a great, great thing. Well said, Roger. Well said. Not much I can, I can add to that. I, I have to say, I think that. But look, except to say that you, um, you were all over Stephen Gerrard very, very early. You know, you, you, you said he was going to do exactly what he did, and uh, and you were right. Uh, I, I've lost all my. Oh, I lost all my followers at Celtic for saying that. At the yeah, time. and you were absolutely um, right. You were absolutely right. Uh, well, I just, I, I, it became a meme. You know, I just said it comes back to that eye of the tiger thing with Nick Mickelson. I said. He's getting beat just now, but look at him, look at those eyes. Yeah. You know, um, there's nobody that, that I think can go 3-0 down in a Champions League final against one of the greatest club teams that's ever been assembled, that Milan team, 3-0 down and just drag that team by the scruff of the neck. Yeah. I don't care. I don't care. I'm going to back on, I'm going to back that. I'm just going to back that all day long. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a very good point. Well, the closest I've managed to come to an own goal is the NBA, and I, and I don't really understand this. And here's why: I'm 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 back here. I've got I've got American TV again, and it's the NBA playoffs, which for years I've watched religiously, and it's always exciting. There's always upsets. There's always it's, it's just great theater. Add to that, they've got a fantastic crop of talented players coming through the NBA now. They've got a lot of really good young talents, and they've also still got you know, LeBron James at the age of 58 or wherever old he is now, still tearing the league up. Steph Curry just had one of the best seasons of his career uh, in his early 30s and is a serious contender for the MVP, which I, I seriously hope he gets. And, and and they've now added, which will be right up your street, Roger, a play-in tournament. So the seventh and eighth seeds is a play-in to get the seventh and eighth seeds in each conference, which just yeah. adds a little yeah. bit more kind of knockout, a little bit more theatre. It's right up your street. Meaningful games. Yeah. yeah, right up right up your street. And yet, and yet, the seventh seed playing was between the Lakers, LeBron's Lakers and Curry's Golden State Warriors. It's everything you could hope for. Arguably the two biggest stars in the league, certainly the two biggest stars in the Western Conference. You know, a, a sudden death matchup. It went down to the wire. Uh, you know, LeBron James, after getting poked in the eye by Draymond Green and couldn't see, probably hits a three-pointer, which which wins it. It has everything you want, and yet uh, it, it's so flat. And I and I I can only think it's because the crowd isn't there. It's just incredibly yeah. flat, and I and I and I don't know why, and, and I'm not remotely happy about it. But I just can't find a way of getting engaged and getting into the NBA at playoff time, which, which, as I said, I, I can only put it down to the lack of fans there. But, but I, you know, that surprises me because I haven't had this problem with other sports, not getting into the into the game again. But maybe that the NBA crowd with you know the constant music and the cheering and the shouting, which is much bigger and better than it is in baseball, for example plays a disproportionately large part but I, I've I've really really struggled and I'm, I'm a bit amused by it Ross to be honest well I think you, you gave yourself the answer it, it's 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 the crowd uh, I, I, I could probably make an attempt to try and sharpen that a little bit but I don't think it's necessarily true you know um, when you're watching basketball the camera angle can't take out the, the crowd 
you know, so uh, you, I don't think it can. So you are seeing nobody there. Whereas in the past you saw Jack Nicholson and Spike Lee and everybody jumping up and all of that. And uh, whereas I think in football, I think with tight uh, shots and tight edits, you can probably make it seem yeah, as if great point. you're watching what you've all, I don't know. I mean, I, this no, is no, my, it's, it, you're absolutely right. You, you can't, you can't, you can't edit the crowd out of the broadcast in, in basketball. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So, but we know like the, 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 the point is just general. In any case, I think um, <laughs> to come back to the very start, the crowds just stood at the PGA and, you know, okay, they were very unruly and, but, you know, that was wonderful, wasn't it? That, you know, they were grabbing them and, you know, even the, the, the shot that he played, I can't remember what hole it was, um, when he was in the rough and he, the, the crowd hadn't gone that far back and they were like almost a narrow tunnel for him to get his shot through. You know, anybody like us, we could have killed somebody in that, in that, in that incident. <laughs> but, you know, like no problem for Phil, you know, like, and then you see the top tracker thing, you know, and like he's got a downhill line, a scrappy line, he's hitting about a five iron. You think, okay, but the, the height they get on these things, how, I mean, what is the physics behind that? Right. I don't it's, get it's, that, it's, it's just, There's no way you can right. hit that ball that high. It's called talent, my friend. You and I will never really understand <laughs> it. We'll never understand it. Now, I, I've got one more, but I'm going to let you have a go before I get into that. Right, I've, I've got, I've got, I've got another one, a chunky one uh, that, um, I well, I tell you what. Then let me let me get rid of my last one before we get your chunky one. All right. Okay, I, I, okay. I, 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 it occurred to me this weekend that the Monaco Grand Prix is the perfect, perfect representation of the times we live in, because it's by far the least interesting Grand Prix of all of them. Right? There is <laughs> nobody ever overtakes anybody else, and yet it is glamorized beyond belief. It's all about style. There's no That's substance to it. It, 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 it is the Grand Prix in the age of the influencer. You, you, they, they show you shots of the yachts and all the celebrities and the supermodels. The, the, the yeah. event itself is is absolutely the most boring two hours of sport you could well, ever imagine. You, you are right. Um, the, that is a good point. But I would have to say that um, it's not as if this has just come up in, in the, the era of the iPhone and the, 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 the all of that. I mean, forever in a day, this has been the most glamorous Grand Prix is nothing to do with influencers. You know, there's there's Le Mans, there's Indianapolis, and there's Monte Carlo. Those were the the triple crown, really. Um, uh, I don't know. It's because of uh, royalty there, the principality, uh, the yachts, uh, everything. Listen, you know, um, I agree with you. I mean, I've been there a couple of times, and um, uh, it's boring. It's really boring. You know, it's, it's, uh, uh, but, you know, you, the night before, you know, and you're down there, you know, beside the, you know, the, the, the U-turn where there's a bar there and there's, there's all kinds of people there and like all kinds, you know, like loads of stories from that kind of stuff. But yeah, it's, it's, it's like, um, it's a glamorous thing. It's, it's not for the Formula One purist, even though it's the one they all want to win, mate. Yeah. You've got to win Monte Carlo. Well, it's easy, right? If you want to win Monte Carlo, just, just get pole position and have a car that works. There you go. Job done. Problem solved. No one's, yeah, no yeah. one's coming past you, so I wouldn't worry about it. <laughs> well, tell that to Charles Leclerc this week. Well, he, didn't, he, <laughs> never, he never got to the grid, did he? That's, what, that's why I, I added the, the bit about having a car that works. Poor guy. Because he's, so he's monogasque, my... right? Leclerc is monogasque, so it would have been huge for him to win that yeah he's french i, I don't know whether he's Monaco, i, th I think Monaco, he's actually monogasque so it would have been yeah what a heartbreaker for yeah him. anyway yeah right ah, well, your, time. over your yeah, i'm going to i'm going i'm going to throw a couple ones in um sport in china 
<laughs> I hope I know the one you're going to go with here. Uh, I've got a couple. I've got a couple. Um, I think the one you're thinking is in there. But before doing that, I think we need to talk about, you know, we had a whole thing about this maybe a year and a half ago around the time of the NBA in China and LeBron saying, be careful. And we said, you know, all the brands in the world have got to be careful not to upset the Chinese. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Has, hasn't the world changed in 18 months? You know, I don't think there's anybody that worried now about whether they necessarily upset the Chinese. Uh, regarding their corporate strategy or their their marketing, uh, I, I've got a couple of little anecdotes here. The, the one I'm going to start with is the one that I think you're referring to, uh, which is the Chinese guy that buys a Chinese football yes, club. This and is gets magnificent. To play. <laughs> this is magnificent. So, 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 like, it's some diddy team, right? But uh, you know, it's, it's it's a serious team, but it's it's not a big team. And he buys it, the owner, and, you know, the headline on the clip is that, you know, he buys it so his son can play. And then you see his son <laughs> being substituted on. And, like, well, can you say it these days? Like, he's really obese. <laughs> he, he's, he's not he's not an athlete, Bryce. Let's put it that way. He's, he's, he's not he's what not you call an athlete. An athlete. Unless, you, unless it's darts so we're like, talking about, circa 1985. <laughs> So like, and he's proud because his father has got for him a couple of concessions as well. He wears the number seven shirt, yep. which I guess he presumes is David Beckham yep. type thing. And equally, he he takes all the set pieces. Yep. Uh, so so there's this little clip of his performance when he came on, and like you have never seen anything so ridiculous. He clearly can't move, so he's not going to, as they would say today in football, uh, he's not good without the ball. And when he's got the ball, he's still pretty immobile and is pointing everywhere for all his poor <laughs> teammates to run around. And they make the run and he's got feet like marble. <laughs> he can't hit one pass. <laughs> and he, I mean, like, what, what's the father thinking? I mean, are you proud of that? You've put your son in a position where he's been ridiculed by a little Scottish guy in Como and everybody else in the world. Good job, Dad. Good job. <laughs> but you know what, Roger, you say that, and we'll have to post this clip from the from the Are You Not Entertained Twitter account because the, the the thing that made it for me, the choice of music for the clip, is so perfect. <laughs> it's so perfect. You can't help but smile. But yeah, yeah, you say this, Roger. I remember the hardest I've ever laughed in my life was uh, I went to my daughters who had then been about I would think eight years old, and it was like the talent show at the end of the school year. And I went in there, and it was up in Connecticut, and it, you know, I'd, I'd left the office and got this. I you know, showed up, and I had to wear a suit to work then. I'm there in my suit, and we, we walked through, and, you know, bless them. It, it, it's just, it's it's fun, right? The kids are having a good time. And my, my daughter and her mates did, like, Dancing Queen by Ever, and they were all dressed up, and they were having a high old time. But let's be honest, the standard of, of performance wasn't that great, right? Great. Let's be honest. Right. And so uh, we were just enjoying it, and then... It gets announced that the, the next act is going to be playing. They, they wheel a piano on stage. And, and the next act is going to be this kid playing the piano, right? So they wheel this proper, you know, proper grand piano. Wheel gets wheeled on stage. The kid comes out in, a, in tails, right? The whole thing comes out in tails, <laughs> goes up to the seat. Fl- you know how you flip the tails and sits down? And, and, and you can hear the, the anticipation of the audience like, oh, we're... <laughs> Finally, there's someone that can actually actually play an instrument here. Uh, bows to the audience, sits down, flips the tails out, 
flexes his knuckles, like cracks his knuckles, and then oh, proceeds God. and then proceeds to play the piano like he was wearing boxing gloves. And <laughs> honest to God, Rog, I was laughing so hard at this, but silently. I wasn't <laughs> laughing at like because because obviously you couldn't laugh. My entire body was convulsing. I honest to God thought I was going to wet myself. And I, when this finished, I had to excuse myself and leave the auditorium because I honestly thought I was going to throw up. I'd been trying to stop myself laughing so hard. So, But his parents obviously had – it wasn't his idea to wear the tails, right? It wasn't his idea to do the whole thing. And you could, you know that his parents have been saying, Some people are oh, crazy. you're Some wonderful. Crazy. You're, you're just a wonderful pianist. I, I can't believe it, that. It's just, it was just – oh, man, it, it was funny. Though. But, but yeah, that, that, the Chinese guy, we have to send it out because it, 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 yeah. it made my week that. Well, there's, there's another one I'd like to link to it, which is is tragic. Uh, uh, so we can't we can't laugh, seriously can't laugh. But it's in this world that we live in, it is emblematic. Did you notice the ultra marathon in China? Did you see how that went? Ultra marathon is a hundred kilometers, so it's 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 bigger than a marathon, uh, it's almost double. So uh, this thing. So 100 kilometers, you've got a lot of territory to kind of like cover in terms of your track. And the way they did it in China is that they go through these mountains and down a valley and up a hill. Um, somebody clearly didn't check the weather forecast. Grant, 21 died. What? 21 died. 21 died. Well, they died of a hypoth hypothermia. Jesus. I mean, you would think, well, like, you've got an option, like, stop, you know, but apparently there was no support services, it got dark, and, like, these oh, poor souls God. are running, and, like, you know, uh, some important runners, like, one, one of the most important, like, para Paralympic run, um, wheelchair, I think it was a wheelchair, think, you know, national champion, he, he didn't get off the mountain. Jeez. I mean, so... Uh, and, and, and I think, you know what it's like in China, I think I, I wouldn't be long uh, the governor of that uh, region there. I, I think he's not going to make it. Wow. You know, I, like, I have not seen that story. That is, that's that's No, dreadful. no, he's, he's just, he's just looking at that, you think, what is going on? You know, like, what is going Jeez. on? Well, I tell you what, I, so, I hope you've got a more upbeat one on which to finish, Rog. Uh, yeah, I have got an upbeat one, more upbeat one, more, more normal one. It's not necessarily upbeat. Uh, I, I'd just like to say um, something along the lines of this. How poorly have China invested in sport and particularly football? We saw this week Inter Milan, which is bust, just like the way their cousins across the, the city, AC Milan, were bust under a China a Chinese guy and were bailed out by the American hedge funds. Uh, Inter Milan uh, got new funding. Uh, our friends at Lion Rock who had about 30% of the club, they thankfully got out. One day we'll get Tom Pitts on the podcast and he can maybe share with us some of the horror stories he's um, told me over these years uh, about <laughs> what happens. But but honestly, if, if you think about it, you know, football is entering, like the rest of the world, Grant, the death trap of debt. It's the death spiral. You know, and, you know, Inter Milan has taken on more debt. They are not going to be able to service that. Certainly if interest rates go up a little bit, AC Milan is owned by Singer and you know how that's going to end. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, Barcelona took on another, uh, something, another half a billion from Goldman Sachs. 
you know, and, and, you know, all this stuff about our clubs, our clubs, these clubs are owned by the banks. You know, if the, if the banks could be bothered, as, as we said, maybe a couple of months ago, they're all breaching their covenants. Just take over the club. You know, it's, it, the, it, football is in a death spiral like the rest of the world related to over leverage. Yeah, I, I mean, what is there to say? It's uh, the evidence is is overwhelming, Rog. I, I think you're absolutely right, and and it, it's just it's just another thing that is completely dependent upon low interest rates. So you know, at the time that they uh, they stop being a thing, which one would imagine the pressure is on them for that to change quite soon rather than later, then. There are going to be all kinds of ramifications and, yeah. that ripple through you know, every strata of society. It's not just going to be financial markets. It is going to be. It is going well, to be. Well, just just to explain that a little bit because we do have a very sophisticated audience. What, what you mean by that, I guess, is that as inflation starts ticking up, the natural response for that to keep it under control is to raise interest rates, and that's usually called the business cycle. But what you're talking about here is if you raise interest rates to above anything with a zero in it, nobody can pay the interest payments. That's what you're getting at, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's exactly right. Suddenly the, the, the interest payments become unaffordable out of cash flows. And, um, you know, it, it's it's people think of this as a financial uh, a financial problem for, for the financial markets, for the financial world, but it's not. It, it is, as you say, you know, the, the, the sports industry has become massively levered. And so there's an awful amount of debt underpinning the whole thing. And so when these interest rates do go up, it's not just going to be reflected in financial markets. It's going to be reflected in in house prices and it's going to be reflected in football clubs. It's going to be reflected everywhere because debt is so utterly pervasive now that there's no getting away from it, unfortunately. But that's, look, Rose, that's, yeah. that's one for another day. I mean, it, it'll happen at some point. We just don't know when, uh, so we're all on borrowed time. So we should probably just just enjoy enjoy it while we can. Spend, spend, spend. Yeah, well, I don't know about that. I meant enjoy the football while we can, but never mind. Well, look, mate, <laughs> it's been a, it's been another fun yeah, hour. As always, I, 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 my two takeaways for this are absolutely watch that um, that clip of the of the Chinese lad stroking the ball around <laughs> in the middle of the field, and, and like like the maestro he is, because it's hugely <laughs> like entertaining. <Peter> Law. And, <laughs> And, and my other recommendation would be if you if you are a golfer of any uh, shape or form and enjoy your golf, if you do get the chance to play the ocean course at Kewa Island, I would not only recommend you do that, but the, the place itself is heaven on earth. Uh, there, there's uh, plenty of other golf on the island to go with it. It's a magical, magical place, and, and uh, Charleston, the nearest city, is probably my favorite city yeah, in the entire world. So I, I cannot recommend that part of the world and the people and the experience highly enough so there's there's my advert unpaid for by the charleston tourist authority <laughs> splendid no i agree with that i love that part of the world i don't know as well as you uh, but it's, it's a wonderful type of people there as well do you not find i do they've i do there's it's, it's a different type of american and uh, i've always enjoyed them a great deal well, look, anyway. Rog, all that remains is for me to thank you and for us both to thank the listeners out there for, for sticking with us again for another week. You know this bit by now, so join in with the chorus. If you don't follow us on Twitter already, you can do that very easily. You'll find us at Entertained R. That's the word, A-R-E. You'll find me on Twitter at T-T-M-Y-G-H. And you'll find myself at RPM Como, as in the lake. As in the lake. Mate, until next time. Take care, Grant. Take care. Stay good in quarantine now. Be a good boy. I will. <laughs>